All right, it is the Gridiron Studs Show. Welcome to the Recruiting School edition of the Gridiron Studs Show. I'm Chad Wilson. Every Monday, I bring to you a little bit of education in the recruiting world. I know I've got parents out here listening. I've got prospects listening. This gets to be a very overwhelming process. A lot of stuff coming at you very, very fast. Add to that a pandemic and a transfer portal. And yes, it can be an avalanche of stuff and you want to make the right moves because you really only get one chance to get recruited. So um, I understand that. That's what I'm here for. And we're going to talk about some things today. Our main topic today is a recruiting law. Develop a competitive spirit if you want to get picked up by a college and if you want to survive at the next level. All right. Definitely need to develop a competitive spirit. We're going to talk about exactly what that means today along with some other topics. But before we get into that, let's talk about a couple of things. First of all, if you guys are on Twitter, follow me there at Gridiron Studs. If you're on Instagram, follow me there at Gridiron Studs. If you're on TikTok, follow me there. Guess what the name is? You got it at Gridiron Studs. Second, if you are not following me on YouTube, you have created, um, you've committed a sin. You should be following me there. Um, I have All Eyes, DB Camp, and Gridiron Studs running on one YouTube account. Don't want you guys all over the place, so you should be following me there. CWilson91, youtube.com forward slash CWilson91. Great recruiting insight, information on creating highlight videos that get you seen. A lot of people take their highlight video for granted. It is your resume, and highlight videos get tossed to the side routinely at colleges. You may be a very, very good player. And you send a bad highlight video up there, it doesn't get seen. So great information on that. Great information on recruiting um, for you folks that need digital and you need video and you need to see. Um, follow me there on YouTube. Again, youtube.com forward slash cwilson91. You guys should definitely check out my latest video that I've just put up in two or three days ago entitled, You're Too Short to Go D1. Short or tall, you should be checking that out. But definitely, if you've been told that or you tend to feel like you're too short to go D1, you got to watch that video. It's, I think it's the latest one on my account. You're too short to go D1. Check it out again on my YouTube channel. And finally, finally, a bigger crime than not following me on YouTube is if you're a prospect or a parent of a prospect and your kid's not on uh, my the Gridiron Studs app. What are you doing? If you've heard about it, you should be on it. Okay, so go download it right now. Apple, um, the App Store, Google Play Store, go there right now, search Gridiron Studs, download the Gridiron Studs app. You can create a profile. I've got college coaches, 60 plus of them right now, using the app and finding prospects all over the country. They might as well find you. On top of that, a whole bunch of fans using it as well. And before you say, oh, why do I care about fans? First of all, you need to build a fan base. Those are the people that follow you throughout your college career. Also follow you when you become a pro, if that is your aspirations. They buy all your stuff. They buy all the stuff that you're advertising. They buy all your clothing line, your shoes, etc., etc., etc. And they help you make money off the field as an NFL football player. And that's very, very important. Because it's, you know, it's nice to get the NFL checks, obviously. But getting money off the field is golden. There have been some guys who've never spent the NFL checks. They just made money off of endorsements. And then on top of that, recruiting-wise, college football fans will rave about a recruit if they find them. And they will post them up, and you know it eventually gets to the media, eventually gets to the college coaches, and they help you. Sometimes fans can be annoying. Yes, I know this. 
And you fans that are listening to this now, you know who you are. You know how you can be. You know you can be a little bit annoying. But for you prospects out there, listen, fans are what make college football go around. Never, ever, ever, ever forget that. Okay, they're passionate, overboard sometimes, but they're passionate. They care about the sport. They care about their team. They care about their school. They care about the game. They're the ones that uh, make all this stuff possible for you. So a ton of fans using the uh, Gridiron Studs app and uh, a lot of coaches using it as well. So it makes sense for you, the prospect, to be there. And if you aren't, you're definitely missing out. So, again, go to the App Store, Google Play Store, download it right now. Search Gridiron Studs. All right. Today, we're going to jump into some things. Uh, there's a new coach at UCF. It's an old coach, but it's a new coach. Uh, an interesting take by um, somewhat of a recruiting expert out there on what the Gators should do, how they should go about recruiting. Um, and the, the NCAA is talking about extending the dead period. Some funny, interesting I don't, I, let me not say funny because there's nothing funny about this. But some interesting things that the NCAA has decided to do uh, with the whole dead period, and um, what some thing and some things that are on the table for recruits that could possibly help you out uh, in in lieu or instead of a dead period. All right, so we'll jump in to all those things. First off. Um, there's a new, brand new coach at UCF, and like I said, it's an old coach that's a new coach, Gus Malzahn, formerly of Auburn. Yes, he was coaching Auburn last year. Quickly got another job, and it's at UCF, which has become a marquee place. Let's be honest about it. I know the UCF fans on Twitter can be a tad bit annoying. We all know this. Sorry to any of you UCF fans that are listening, but you guys know you're annoying. Declaring yourself national champions a couple of years ago. Come on. And then the AD comes out today and says, right now, Gus Malzahn is the best coach in the state of Florida. <laughs> you got to love the um, basketball-sized balls on everyone connected with UCF. But he came out and said that today. Apparently, allegedly, you know, it is the internet. But uh, someone came out and said that. The uh, athletic director did say that. So he is uh, the best coach in the state of Florida. Uh, did you hear that, Dan Mullen? He might have something to say about that. Um, and, you know, Manny Diaz as well. Norvell, I can't vouch for you right now. Things are bad in Tallahassee, so I can't even make an argument for you. But Manny and Dan, uh, the man at UCF said that, said Gus is better than both of y'all boys right now. But anyway, uh, I'm, you know, I want to see it. What's Gus Malzahn going to bring to UCF? Uh, things didn't just work out at Auburn. And really, you know, it's crazy. It was uh, offensively where I felt like Auburn struggled. And Malzahn's supposed to be a guru of offense. I just, I think the rest of college football has caught up with it. When he started this whole uh, trek into college football, the no huddle thing was new. It was different. Caught people off guard and it was working. Now everyone does it. And that means all the defenses are familiar with it, so they're not so caught off guard. And, and like it felt like Gus ran out of ideas, ran out of you know ways to attack defenses and to get around the adjustments that defenses had made to stop what it is that he did and introduced, really, to all of college football. I'll give him credit for that. Maybe he wasn't the first one to run hurry up. You know, I do remember being a senior at Miami in Florida State, ran hurry up. This is 1994 now, so he didn't invent it. But he made it commonplace. Let's give Gus his credit for that. Gus brought it to town um, and, you know, kind of introduced it to people. And it 
woke up Nick Saban, who now has, you know, all types of hurry-up offenses that he's worked with in the last few years. And by that, I mean, you know, Nick is constantly rotating through offensive coordinators. Not that he fires them. They just get hired away after these guys win national championships. But the the previous Nick Saban, the old Nick Saban, would not have gone for something like this. In fact, he railed against hurry-up offenses. He was routinely speaking at press conferences about the dangers of the hurry-up offense and how he would love for college football to not follow that trend too much. But, you know, Nick is smart. And it's rare for someone his age to just adjust the way that he has, but it's a big secret to his his success. So he couldn't beat them, so he joined them. And he got some of the best guys with hurry-up offenses. And, well, then he just kind of took the knife away from his attackers and implemented it himself with his type of athletes. And we all know what kind of athletes those are, the five-star type and variety from all over the country. And so, yes, but getting back to Gus Malzahn, he is back in UCF. He's going to need to come up with some old tricks because God for, you know, listen, for certain UCF has seen hurry up offenses and all of UCF's opponents have seen hurry up offense. It's all that UCF has done. Matter of fact, UCF is maybe one of the top five schools in the last few years running hurry up offenses they're just one of the most well known for it the speed at which they run offenses they just don't get in the huddles etc 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 so that's not going to be anything new for memphis and cincinnati and the other folks that they go up against so what is gus malzahn going to do that's new going to be very interested in what he does in terms of hiring defensive staff that's going to be important they're going to have to stop some people that's what kind of kept Auburn in some games over the last couple of years, being able to get stopped somehow, some kind of way, when they're on a team that has a hurry-up offense. And any of you out there who are fans of teams that run hurry-up offenses, you've seen what can happen defensively if that thing's not working. And you're punting the ball really, really quickly, and the offense, the opposing offense is getting a bunch of possessions against your defense I don't care what kind of talent you have or what kind of scheme you're running over there or how good your defensive coordinator is you give another team a whole bunch of possessions they're just going to find their way and your team's going to be a little tired it can be a little difficult for them to get to the ball and make plays so as I sit here today knee-jerk reaction to that hire what's going to be different and what is Gus Malzahn going to do that's new there and is Gus going to have to call the plays is Gus going to feel the need to call the plays? Is he going to get an offensive coordinator? And is he going to be able to pay attention to everything that's going on on the program? Is he going to be in, have an eye on the defense, an eye on special teams, an eye on the offense, and kind of keep progressing this thing forward for UCF? Because UCF is now kind of looking like it's turning into a stop, not a destination for college football coaches. You know what? That's not a terrible thing. The University of Miami in the 80s and 90s, that's what it was. Coach comes in four or five years, does well, moves on to bigger and better things. At the time, that was the National Football League. But in college football right now, um, bigger and better things means another bigger college football program. So Josh Heupel has moved on to Tennessee. Going to be interesting to see what he does there. Is it going to be all about a hurry-up offense? Is he going to try and do the same things at Tennessee that he did at UCF? What he is going to find is a... Let me word this carefully, a less supportive fan base, let me say. 
And that doesn't mean like they won't pay attention. They are going to pay attention. They just turn ugly quick in Knoxville. They've been not all that kind to the last couple of coaches there when things haven't gone their way. And right now, Tennessee is just looking up at Florida and Georgia in the conference. And places like Kentucky have gotten a little tougher to beat. And uh, you've not been able to handle whoever you get from the west end of the SEC when you've faced them in interdivisional uh, matchups. Just not have done well with that. So good luck to Josh Heupel. But, you know, the guy following up at UCF is Gus Malzahn. So um, we'll have to see what he's able to do there. Very close eye will be kept on what the hires he makes on defense, especially defensive coordinator. And is he going to keep Randy Shannon? Does Randy Shannon want to stay there? I don't know how folks feel about Randy Shannon. I think they should feel good about it. He's as good as they come when it comes to being a defensive coordinator. I'm saying that right now. And if you want to go looking at numbers and saying and looking at the amount of points UCF has given up, don't do that to yourself. I've just explained to you what the deal is. UCF has continued to run hurry-up offenses. They're difficult to coach defense for. Just simple math. When normally a team gets 11 or 12 possessions and they're getting 15 possessions, 16 possessions, that's more plays your team is out on the field, more chance for fatigue, more chance for injury, etc., etc., etc. So I think Randy Shannon did a fine job as UCF defensive coordinator under the circumstances. So don't come quoting numbers to me. You've got to, you know, be objective and look at what he was up against. So that's the deal there. Just something for you guys to keep an eye on. Since the best coach in the state of Florida has just now been hired at UCF. That, those are the words. Not my words. Those are the words that would be the athletic director, the guy running the show for athletics at uh, UCF. That's the story. I want to talk about this because it, you know, relates directly to the recruits that are out there. Listen, 2020 class, 2021 class, you guys have been, you know, got a raw deal. No question about it because of the pandemic. If you have not been able to adjust, you've really felt the brunt. Some guys can some, because of circumstances or lack of knowledge, have not been able to adjust. I think anyone who's been listening to me, whether on any of my social networks, read any of my articles on my blog, which, by the way, you should be following as also, grinironstuds.com forward slash blog. If you've read any of those articles, you've kind of put yourself in place. You kind of know what it is you've needed to do, class of 20 and 21 and, and 22. But class of 22, 2022, you are being faced with extended dead periods. And the NCAA is talking about extending it again to the end of May. What that's going to do is limit the space of time in which you're able to take uh, official visits. Guys would love to do it in the summer. Not going to be able to if they do this. And so many are asking for the NCAA to switch that over to a quiet period. And for those of you not familiar with a quiet period, a quiet period does not allow the college football coach to visit you off campus so they can't come to they can't come to 
your campus. They can't come watch you at practice. They can't, you know, watch a spring game or anything of that nature. Um, that's what that prohibits them from doing that. However, it doesn't stop them from meeting with you if you come on campus. So you can arrange official visits during a quiet period because on-campus visitation is allowed. And so many are pushing for that to uh, be the move that the NCAA makes as opposed to having the dead period. The thing that I find interesting here is the current, uh, currently Division Two and Three don't have a dead period. And this is just one of the things that will frustrate you about the NCAA is that what's the sen- what sense does that make? Are you know, Division Two and Division Three players, prospects of, d- d- built different somehow? Why would you have a rule like that for Division One but not Division Two and Three? So official visits can be taken for Divisions Two and Three but not One? Someone out there familiar with how the NCAA works, get in touch with me and let me know why. I fully expect no one to get in touch with me on that because no one knows how the NCAA works. They just know that it doesn't. And this is not new, folks. I used to write for the school newspaper at the University of Miami, and I routinely railed against the NCAA. Just don't get what those guys are doing. So, yes, that is the case. Division two and three is not in a dead period. Division one is. So, recruits across the country, Division one recruits, FBS. Power Five FCS recruits are expressing their frustration with it. Most notably, recently, recruits uh, for Ohio State who would love to get on there and see the campus. Some of these guys are going to commit to these schools without really having seen the campus. So, if you happen to be in this, you know, if you fall into that category and um, your parents have the means, or if you're the parents listening to this and you have the means, go ahead and take the unofficial of it visits do that if you've got a spring break and you have the means you've got the money um, and the time go take the unofficial visits quite frankly I like the unofficial visits better too because as I've said before you go places during your official visit that you will probably never go to if you're once you get on campus and sign with that school Uh, the, the coaches definitely talk to you in a way in which you know most of them probably wouldn't talk to you that way, handle you that way, deal with you that way when you actually sign the dotted line. So when you take an unofficial visit and perhaps you're there during spring practice or even a game, you get a chance to see how the coach really operates, how he speaks to the players, how he deals with the players, etc., etc., etc. And you see if that works for you. You're not going to get that during the official visit. So, listen, if you're blocked from the official visit, it may be somewhat of a blessing. For you guys that don't have the means, yeah, it's it's a punch in the gut. And you're just going to have to wait this thing out. What sucks about all this, too, is the we have this early signing period, and we've all been able to observe this now over the last two years, is that these schools, the big-timers, fill up their class with that early signing date, the one in December. They'll have 20, 21 guys signed already. So if the NCAA keeps and continues to extend these deadlines, these uh, dead periods, we're going to have a bunch of guys committing to schools that they never really visited because they didn't have the opportunity to. They couldn't fit them all in. And you know what that means? 
Transfer portal, baby. And that thing is just bustling. Said last week, 1,500 prospects in the transfer portal because transferring is so easy now. And we're combining this with the pandemic difficulties and we get stuff like guys committing to schools they didn't visit. And so, you know, it's really not that fun here. Nebraska had a bunch of South Florida prospects. Go there, check it out, turn around, go back. By check it out, I mean these guys signed scholarship papers. And then soon, before we even got to cutting open a turkey breast for Thanksgiving, these guys were in the portal. They didn't even get Halloween candy in Lincoln. And they were out of there. And this is going to be the case more and more. So if you're a guy listening to this, once again, if you have the means, take the unofficial visit. Got some money, put aside, take the unofficial visit. If you got time, go take the unofficial visit. You'll thank me later. It's time now, during our broadcast, to talk about the underrated stud. This is a prospect from the Gridiron Studs app. It's a member of the Gridiron Studs app, a prospect on there that I have discovered that is a pretty big-time player, I think, in the making. An underrated stud, obviously, because they've not you know, received all the hype yet. Or may never receive that hype, but I think they're a damn good football player. And for us today, that is Tendaji Alexander. Class of 2022, wide receiver, defensive back out of Clawson High School in Michigan. Listen, we all love uh, playmakers, um, and I really think we have one here with the uh, with Tendaji Alexander. The Clawson High School junior can bust out a highlight at any minute. While some high school players will have to search far and wide through their game footage to get a clip, some of y'all know what I'm talking about, Alexander has to decide what to leave out. Standing at 5'11", 165 pounds, his biggest asset are his ball skills. On offense, he'll make a difficult catch in traffic. Um, He wins 50-50 balls, um, or he'll redirect an errant throw to himself. He'll even do that as well. On film, he does not look to be a blazer, but he's very crafty after the catch. Um, And this quite often leads to big gains after short catches, and that can really terrorize the defense. He's strong versus press defenders when he gets them. And at the point of attack on thrown balls, he, that's where he really, really shines. Because, again, he has great ball skills. All right. Uh, in this past season, he amassed over 700 yards of offense, with many of them being highlight-type catches. Now, he certainly looks like a guy who should handle the ball more at Clawson. All right. And, Coach, if you're listening, get the ball to Tendaji Alexander. Now, on defense, he's also a problem. His sophomore campaign saw him nab nine interceptions. This is no doubt. This is... Um, you know, you need to put a big beware sign on the helmet if you're an opposing quarterback thinking about throwing over his way. Despite that, he still finds a way to get his hands on the ball and get in the action, whether it's a big hit, a forced fumble, jumping on a loose football. And again, his outstanding ball skills are at work. They're definitely a big asset to him on the defensive side as he goes up to grab balls away from intended receivers. Really knows how to attack the ball in the air. He also seems to be Johnny on the spot, too, on errant throws by quarterbacks. He doesn't miss on those. Now, remember how I said he's nifty after the catch? This applies to defense, too, when he hauls in interceptions. Very dangerous in that situation because, you know, them guys on offense don't really know how to tackle like that. All around, the guy's a solid player. 
um, with the playmaker gene for sure. And that'll only get better next this offseason. And um, he should be made a prize recruiting option if we could just get some eyes on him. All right. Tendaji Alexander, Clawson High School, Michigan. If you're a coach listening to this, get on that kid. Find him right now. He knows how to play the game. All right. And that's our underrated stud for this week on the Gridiron Stud Show Recruiting School Edition. All right, sliding on to another topic. Read an interesting article. Wish I had it here in front of me. Would love to give someone some credit, and I may just be Googling that. You know, exactly where I saw this as I um, go through the show here because I want to give proper credit. However, um, an unnamed source, as I'm forced to say, since I don't have the article here in front of me, um, suggests that the University of Florida should take this approach as it comes to recruiting and that is go after you know a couple a handful of five-star recruits each cycle seek to sign a couple of them one or two three if you can four if you're feeling nasty and then um, really not put so much effort into four stars go ahead and sign those three stars they're talented guys Apparently through this individual's research. And again, I apologize for not having the article in front of me. If I'm not able to find that person's name right now during this broadcast, I will certainly reveal their name next week to just to give them proper credit. But just know that this story is out there and this is what someone is saying is that the University of Florida, Dan Mullen and his staff should take that approach. Put some effort, put your maximum effort into trying to get those five stars. And then after that, um, you know, divert some of the energy you spend on four stars into getting the three stars where you can dominate, grab those, get them for sure. They're more of a sure thing. And the reasoning behind this was is to avoid going up against some more marketable college football programs in terms of competing for those four stars. Don't recall seeing who those names were that they felt maybe Mullen and staff in Florida, the logo, could not uh, match up against for four stars. I'm going to have to assume Georgia would be one of those because Georgia usually cleans up in recruiting. Of course, Alabama because they're everyone's nemesis in recruiting. But who outside of that? Would that be Miami or Florida State? I have to go and check the whole head-to-head and how many times Florida lost out on a four-star recruit versus Miami and Florida State, as well as Georgia and Alabama, or maybe even a Clemson. Have to look into that. I suppose LSU would be in that as well, because LSU has come down into Florida and been able to pick up recruits. What do you guys think of that strategy? Do you find that interesting? Do you find that worthy or is it just nonsense from someone on the internet? Do you give that any credence for my Florida fans that are out there? And if you are a Florida fan listening to this on Anchor, you are able to leave a voice message. You could do that. So that's one way you could be heard. And I'll play some of these voice messages on air, on the podcast, provided, you know, you're not a potty mouth and I, you know, I'll do that. If you've got a coherent thought 
about anything that I talk about on this show. But if you're a Florida Gator fan and um, you have an opinion on this strategy, feel free to voice it here. Uh, you can hit that voice message button if you're listening on Anchor and um, let me know how you feel about it. Outside of that, Twitter would probably a good be a good place if you wanted to voice an opinion on that strategy. So when I post the show, which will be later tonight, or you'll see it there tomorrow, and uh, you listen to the show, um, and you have an opinion on it, feel free to drop a comment under the post that I make for the show. And I will answer you on that, or at the very least, read it. Should Florida do that, though? Focus some efforts on the five stars. And listen, I know you guys are going to agree with that part. Every college football fan loves for their school to land five-star recruits, yes. But after that, though, should they kind of skip out on the whole four-star deal unless you have a guy that's just totally committed to coming to you and let's avoid the battles if you're the Florida Gators uh, against some of these other schools, marquee names on the four-stars because uh, you might get beat there and you just focus more of your efforts on landing three-stars. That the other schools may overlook since perhaps um, you've done well with three stars, I guess, in developing them, especially on the offensive side of the ball, I would say, if you're, if you're the Florida Gators. I thought I just felt that was pretty interesting. So um, I would love to hear your thoughts on it. You don't have to just be a Gator fan, man. You know, if you're a Miami and Florida State fan, you guys care as much about what's going on uh, with the Gators as much as what's going on with your program and vice versa. Florida cares about Miami and Florida State. And Miami cares about Florida State and Florida and, you know, vice versa and all that. I see you guys on Twitter shooting at each other. Gunshots everywhere. You care as much about what your school is doing as what the other competition is doing. I'll tell you this, though. None of y'all have the best head coach in the state. That guy's at UCF now, baby. Better not forget it. All right, let's jump to our main topic today. It's what you guys came here for. If you're a recruit, parent of a recruit, etc., you're a fan you might want to jump in on this too because it's good to know what kind of goes into um, the decision that guys have to make and I know we all love competitive players but what exactly does that mean we hear it all the time it starts to become cliche but I think people just don't really understand exactly what that is so we're going to talk about that today we often hear the word compete in the world of sports we can make the argument that it's overused but the truth of the matter is, is that once the game starts all that's going on on the field or on the court, or on the diamond, in is competition. Where we don't hear the word compete enough is in the world of recruiting. On the high school gridiron, you're competing against one team comprised of 11 people. In the world of recruiting, you're competing against thousands upon thousands of other prospects. Sometimes it's very hard for a college football prospect to understand. As I talked about in previous podcasts, there are a million plus high school football players every year. Most prospects can only think about what's around them locally. Many don't consider that their competition for the scholarship from the schools that they want extends beyond their region and onto a national scale, especially if you think you're a Power 5 guy. What also happens, especially to kids in what are considered hotbeds for talent, is that those prospects in those areas become delusional about their level of worthiness. It's easy for kids from Florida or Texas or Georgia or California to think of that uh, I'm good locally, and if I'm good locally, then I'm better than mostly 
everyone else in the country. Uh, that might be faulty thinking. What can guard a recruit against that faulty thinking is developing a competitive spirit. Many have a false idea of what competitive spirit is, though. Oftentimes, young prospects think a competitive spirit means on game day, they go hard against their opponent, and thus they're competitive. And that's not exactly how it works. When you've truly developed a competitive spirit, you're not okay with coming in second at anything you engage in. Nothing. That means you don't like finishing second in the lifts in the weight room, the sprints on the field, knowing the playbook, video games, and especially in the classroom. A competitive spirit is a mindset. It's an attitude. Once you develop it, you find yourself working hard to be first at everything. This means a game of checkers, a trivia contest, or even a friendly holiday game with the family. When you fail, you figure out how the game works. You go harder and you study the factors and you check out all those things and you've proven and anything that's proven to work for you to win. You figure those things out and you get it done, no matter what the game is. Having a competitive spirit does not mean that you know how to get mad when you lose. I've seen people describe someone who throws a tantrum when they lose as being very competitive. We've seen that on TV. Oh, he threw his helmet. He knocked over a bench. We see that a lot in a game of baseball when a guy goes nuts in the dugout after he strikes out. Well, going nuts about taking an L means nothing if that tantrum is not then followed up with solid action to avoid a similar occurrence. When you're playing sports, you'll lose sometimes. What's important is that a lesson is learned with each failure and it is followed up with action to close the door that allowed the loss to happen. Simply having a tantrum won't do it. So how does this help you when it comes to recruiting? When your competition comes in the form of thousands, the element of which you are judged on becomes plentiful. College football coaches must dissect a number of factors to pare down a list of 1,000 into a handful that they will offer scholarships to and ultimately accept commitments from. With that in mind, a competitive spirit will force you to study hard for your ACT and your SAT test. Remember, you hate losing. You won't let a standardized test knock you out. When you become competitive, truly competitive, you'll go harder in the weight room because you want the biggest bench press, the highest squat, or the heaviest power clean. You'll also get a little upset about someone considered as having better character than you, and you'll do something about cleaning up yours. Overall, you will see that you're a four-star and want to be a five. You'll see that you're ranked 100th and you'll want to be number one. You not only want it, but you'll actually do something about it because it upsets you so much. There's the old and very truthful saying that goes, how you do anything is how you will do everything. People with a competitive spirit take pride in everything that they do because coming in second is the worst thing in the world, no matter what it is. This mindset will only work wonders for you in life, whether it's on the gridiron or any other place that life is takes you so one of the great things about this sport is that it does develop your competitive spirit if you're going to be good at it if you're going to actually be on the field you got to have a competitive spirit to overtake a guy that's you know above you on the depth chart so you at least learn that but truly be competitive truly learn what that is and that is composed of all of the things that i just talked about right here 
The most being that you just start getting competitive about everything that goes on in your life. You clean your room the best. You study the best. You answer those questions in the meeting the best. You try to be first in the sprints. You try to go the hardest in the weight room. And suddenly that becomes infectious. You guys want to understand why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Super Bowl? It's because the most competitive person in this game, or at least one of them, showed up and played quarterback for their team. What did that do? It rubbed off on everyone else. So where uh, a running back may have taken a practice off or a rep off or a defense may have taken a practice or a rep off, they no longer do that because their quarterback is very competitive. They see it. Sometimes he demands it, and it raises everyone's level of play all around them. The value of a player like that is insurmountable. It can't be measured. It just gets measured with championships. And when you develop that spirit, it oozes out of you. Coaches see it. Scouts see it. And then they want that person on their team. They want to recruit that person. They want to offer them a scholarship. And it's not a sometimes thing. You don't just turn up on game day and become competitive. That's not, again, not how it works. When being competitive in everything is all that you know, you won't bat an eye when things get rough in a game. Because all you know how to do is compete and come first, or at least die trying. So understand me. If you want to be competitive on the football field, it starts with being competitive at everything else that you're doing. Every single thing. And I hope you guys get that. All right. I hope you guys understand what I'm talking about there. And it's short and sweet. Not a long message for you here today. I know you guys don't always want to hear the lecture, but it really starts with being competitive at everything that you do. Start today. When you're done listening to this podcast, start today got siblings clean your room the best you're the best in the house at cleaning the room you do the chores the best start with your grades you turn in the best paper start trying to get the best grades in the class you might not be the smartest one and you may never end up getting the best grades in the class, but on your way there, you're just trying to learn how to compete. And in the process of doing that, your grades get better. And now you get the best grades that you can. And you know what? You may just very well win. All right? That's our show for this week. Uh, I want to jump into something next week, so I hope you guys tune in again uh, next week. I want to talk about fake offers. It's a thing that's out there. It's that time of year, folks, where offers get tweeted. People start talking about offers. Are they real? What's the deal with that? What's the story on offers? I'm going to give you my take and what I've noticed about offers in this day and age and in this era that I think will be very helpful for you prospects and even you parents that uh, kind of lose your mind when you see offers getting dropped for guys um, around the Internet and in your local, other local schools or even players on your own team. Some of the uh, times when I would get the most calls as a coach is when a rival team across town, kids would just start tweeting an offer. A coach would come in from somewhere else, from a, from a school, 
um, visit a school, start dropping offers on everyone, and guys are out happily posting them, and then, you know, the kids of the team that I was coaching start calling me and start texting and tweeting me and wanting to know where their offers are. So we'll talk about fake offers next week. All right. Once again, I want to encourage you guys to subscribe to the podcast. So go ahead and whatever platform you're listening to this on, hit that button, subscribe. It'll make me very happy and it'll make you a very informative person when it comes to recruiting. Um, It will also um, get you full of information, man. And uh, the good thing about podcasts is you don't have to sit here and look at it. You could have it playing in the background as you do something else. And I hopefully I don't have an annoying voice that would make you want to turn it off. But um, yes, definitely subscribe to the podcast. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all at Gridiron Studs. Follow me on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash cwilson91. Do that. And for God's sakes, if you're a prospect, download the Gridiron Studs app right now. Go to the App Store, Google Play Store, whether you're on Android or an or a, uh, iPhone, and download it right now. Search Gridiron Studs. And if you're already on the app listening to this right now, drop a review for me, all right? Uh, I need those reviews. So if you're enjoying the app, drop a review. Rate me five stars because you love it, all right? And uh, once again, thank you guys for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. Appreciate it. Back at you uh, next week. Tomorrow, going to be uh, debuting the um, Indie Drills podcast for all of you DBs out there. going to talk a little bit of DB stuff, and then I've got my show later on this week with Amo Calamino, where we get more into the world of college football and other sports topics. So um, a lot of good stuff coming here. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Thank you guys once again for listening. And Gridiron Studs, be seen. Hey, listen up, loyal Gridiron Studs show fans. There are apps and then there are apps. Forget all the social media time wasters. I'm talking about an app that can actually put money in your pocket. I'm talking about Acorns. Ask any successful multi-millionaire or billionaire about wealth, and they will sing the praises of compound interest. When you download the Acorns app and open an account, you can instantly start putting a little compound interest in your life. Acorns sets you up with the ability to make money off of the spare change in your bank account through the use of roundups from your debit card purchases. You can also set a monthly contribution to your investment account that allows you to earn interest while you sleep. Simply set the type of investment portfolio that you want, whether that is aggressive, moderately aggressive, or conservative, then connect your bank account for deposits, then forget about it. Each purchase you make on your debit card plus your recurring monthly or weekly contribution goes into your investment account and starts compounding. On top of all that, you can earn extra investment bucks for yourself when you refer friends to Acorns. Watch out, Mark Cuban. Here comes the next billionaire. No, seriously. Set up your future by downloading what I continue to call the most underrated app that's out there. Turn your financial life around with the Acorns app. I did. Click on the link in the description of this episode and download the Acorns app today. Your future will thank you.